You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 4, The Artist as Protest Against Despair. In this episode, I'm going to follow a little bit different format than our usual presentation. I don't have a guest joining me for this one. I'm just going to share some of my recent thoughts with you on perception and the role of the artist during social crisis. If you're part of the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective, we'll be talking about the ideas that I share in this episode and related subjects in our online forum and in our weekly book discussions on art and fear. If this is your first time listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast, thanks for taking the time to join the conversation. I hope that you leave inspired, challenged, and compelled to live out the art that you are. This is my talk on the artist as protest against despair. It's been interesting to witness how in its own strange way, this time of social distancing and cancellations of normal life has actually served to bring our community together in an odd, digital, yet nonetheless strong and beautiful way. Many of you listening may have been among those who joined with us for our first online communion gathering, which we held the night originally scheduled to be the opening of the Breath in the Clay's yearly gathering. It was bittersweet for sure not being able to gather with everyone in person, but hosting over 700 people from around the world all coming together and sharing communion was a powerful experience for me. And since then, I've witnessed this creative community growing closer in exceptional ways. I began to see a hidden and unexpected beauty emerging from what otherwise could have been taken as a costly and disappointing situation. In most circumstances we faced, We can tend to either see what is wrong or imperfect, or we can see what is possible. Perhaps the motivations behind the way we see a situation is nuanced by temperament or the filters of our past experiences. But at risk of overgeneralizing, I think it stands true to say that in everything we face, our outlook determines our experience. This current global situation is no different. We can either view this time of social distancing and imposed solitude as a restriction and loss, or we can see within it an invitation to possibility. Truthfully, the situation contains a bit of both. But which perception are we going to allow to drive the train? The theme we chose for the Breath in the Clay gathering this year is perception, how we see, how we see God, how we see one another, how we see the world around us, and how our perception impacts the art we make. Our perception is interactive with our experience of reality. The way we see is fertile and intermingles with the environments we inhabit to construct the nature of the lives we live. Of course, I had no idea at the time how hard we would be challenged on this theme of perception or how challenged we would be to see our circumstances from a higher perspective. But that is where we are right now, in the midst of this global challenge to see from that higher perspective 
and adjust our hearts to align with truth above our own anxieties and uncertainties. And I'm sure that many of you listening are in a similar place. My friend Dave Wilton from the band A Boy and His Kite said to us during communion, every interruption is an invitation. And so my question for us today is, can we see this global pandemic as a strange and unexpected invitation? Can we see this even as a creative gift? Is it a prison cell or is it an opportunity to sing open the earth? Limitation is often the artist's greatest asset. And our perception is what determines what we create with the limitations we have been given. The proverb that necessity is the mother of invention rings true for me at this time. And what I hope to learn for myself and what I hope to help steward for you is to see the heart of redemption and how it takes something destructive, something ugly, something damaging and painful and shapes it into something beautiful. That is why I say we have been given a creative gift. We have been given a block of time and a unique circumstance that we can leverage and shape into something memorable that will bring hope and a positive resonance on people across the world and also to those coming along behind our generation to see what we left behind, to see what we did with what we've been given. I was talking with my friend Vesper Stamper recently, and she brought to my attention how pandemics such as the bubonic plague of the 1300s made way for the Italian Renaissance. And so I want to encourage everyone listening that this is our spiritual invitation as artists and creatives to take the ugly and to take the dead and call them from their tombs and transform them into something beautiful, something sacred, something holy, and something that lives on beyond the grave, beyond the number of our own days. And so perhaps we can also come to see our current situation as a spiritual gift because that is exactly what lies at the heart of the gospel. The gospel tells a story of an innocent man who was beaten, misunderstood, and mistreated and shamefully murdered. Yet this brutal death somehow became the brightest beacon of hope and fullest expression of love humanity has ever witnessed. One of my favorite characteristics of God is the mischief of God. We don't often hear about this aspect of God's nature, although examples of divine mischief and holy playfulness are bountiful in the Bible's narratives. God's mischief comes to us when He appears in an unexpected manner and catches us off guard with wit, humor, and surprise. Jesus was notorious for acting in this way. He showed up in all the wrong places, hung out with all the wrong people, and didn't conform to the social or religious norms of his day. It was often said of him that he appeared in a different form or that he went unrecognized even by those who knew him best. The resurrection itself could be seen as perhaps the biggest cosmic prank God ever played. One story in the Gospels that highlights the mischief of God is found in Luke 24, 13-35. Two of Jesus' friends are walking along, talking to one another and processing their grief. 
They had given the past several years of their lives to following this man, Jesus, whom they had believed was going to be the savior of their nation and deliver them from the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. They witnessed him perform miracles and cast out devils. They saw the dead raised and witnessed throngs of people following and offering him praise. Then in a sudden turn of events, he was arrested and killed. You can imagine the heartbreak, the depression, and the confusion they must have felt. Everything they had planned for was ruined. Everything they had invested had been lost. Nothing made sense. Nothing worked out as they had supposed. And in the midst of this conversation, Jesus comes unannounced and walks alongside of them, listening to their interpretation of the events. Even more, Jesus pretends not to know anything about what they're discussing. His demeanor rouses the agitation of one of the men who asks him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Jesus continues to play ignorant and simply replies, What things? As the story continues, the two men catch Jesus up on all that he's missed, still not realizing who he is. After a time, Jesus offers a perspective they may not have considered before, that the prophets had foretold the sufferings of the Christ. And from here, he elaborates on an understanding of the situation these men had not heard before. When they reached their destination, their depressed hearts had been so moved with the words of this strange, uninvited companion, they beg him to stay and eat with them. Jesus agrees, and as he sits at the table, still unrecognized by them, he blesses and breaks the bread. And in this moment, the men's eyes are finally opened. They recognize Jesus for who he is. And the most mischievous part of this whole story is what Jesus does next. Right when the men recognize him, as soon as they realize God was in this place and we didn't know it, the scripture reads, and he vanished from their sight. I like to imagine the smirk on Jesus' face right before he leaves the men with their astonished mouths gaping open. God seems to like playing with us at times. He likes coming in ways we don't anticipate. He likes to show up uninvited and dressed for the wrong occasion. He appears in unexpected places, perhaps even in the midst of a global pandemic. God seems to like the element of surprise. So my point is, let's leave room for such an encounter with the mischief of God, even in the midst of our own confusion and uncertainty about all that's happening in our world right now. You know, one thing that's interesting to me is that I remembered as I was studying perception earlier this year, before the word Corona meant anything other than a brand of cheap beer you only drink at the beach. I came across the concept of what is called a perception gap. A perception gap is essentially the space between what is actually real and what is perceived as real. And there are typically either one of two things that fill in our perception gaps, either faith or fear. And there was a recent study on crime in America where it was discovered that as a whole, we are safer now than we have been in the past 30 years. However, when people on the streets were interviewed about it, unanimously everyone felt that crime had gotten worse. So there was a perception gap. And in that case, the gap was primarily filled in by social media and news outlets. 
And I'm not saying that to make a statement about the coronavirus, but I do think it's important to ask, what is forming our outlook during this time? What is dictating our perception? Is it the news? Is it our faith? Is it fear? We say we want to be informed, but to be informed is to be formed. So what is forming us during this time? What is forming our outlooks and our perceptions? Is it our disappointments? Is it our hope? Is it faith? Is it fear? Or perhaps some combination of all of these? Situations like our current one can feel a bit destabilizing. All of our habits and routines and normal ways of functioning have been suspended, and we have each had to adopt new daily rhythms and ways of doing life or finding work. But for the artist, this can lead to questions about the validity of our work and where art-making and creativity belong in a time of global crisis. I want to speak into this concern for a moment because it is vital for our own mental and emotional health that we are formed by a clear narrative. It is all too easy during times of crisis to be tempted to view art as a luxury or as an elective or a non-essential. But I want to push against that notion and put forth the idea that the work of the artist and supporting the work of the artist may be more crucial during this difficult time in our world than any other time. I recently reposted a quote I saw floating around Instagram that read, If you think artists are useless, try to spend your quarantine without music, books, poems, movies, and paintings. One of the main ways an artist can serve the greater community during times of crisis is by continuing to create art, by continuing to create acts of beauty and continuing to express the heart while all hell may be breaking loose everywhere else. By continuing to make art during times of crisis and trouble and personal distress, the artist becomes a protest against despair. The artist becomes a protest against losing our identity and losing our humanity, against war or disease or whatever opposition stands against living an unimpeded, beautiful life. The work of the artist is vital during times like these, because the artist is raised up like a standard, keeping the rest of humanity from falling into despair. And just to be clear, by artist, I mean anyone and everyone in every act that beautifies or brings life or challenges the status quo and points towards something greater than ourselves. An artist is anyone who believes for a more beautiful quality of life and uses whatever resources or talents or abilities he or she has to bring that about. If we can find the courage to create anyway, in the midst of trying times, in the midst of danger, we send a message to the world that hope is greater than despair. We say by the very act of creating that we will not be ruled by darkness or destruction or by secondary modes of living. We affirm the words of Jesus who called us to live an abundant life. And we can live abundantly even in the midst of great personal challenge. I want to say also that by continuing to buy art and by continuing to support artists during this time, when we may have been deeply affected financially, we contribute to the same message that hope prevails above despair, that creativity prevails above apathy. 
When we create and support artists and the making of art, we affirm that we believe in the eternal value of art and music and beauty to raise the human spirit out of the malaise of despair and bring order in places of chaos and raise our spirit to a place of transcendence. We can't forget that the first act of life in the entire Bible was an act of creativity. Our first glimpse of God is watching the Creator choreograph and sing and paint life into being, and then inviting humanity to do the same. We can't forget that when life went sideways in the garden, God's response was creativity. He found someone to partner with Him and gave Him a creative idea. God gave Noah a creative vision of hope and even instructed him how to make the ark. This ark became the symbol and vehicle of hope for generations to come. So in today's episode, I want to advocate for the importance of getting our perspective aligned to see according to truth and not from our own perception gaps when it comes to understanding the role of creativity during our time of crisis. The desperate situation in our world calls for the artist to emerge as a prophetic voice of hope and to counter the negative effects of disease and isolation with beauty and creativity. This is the call of the artist in collaboration with the Spirit of God. We are the architects of hope for our generation and for the generations to come. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and our community page at The Breath and the Clay. If you've been inspired by this or other episodes of the Makers and Mystics podcast, please consider becoming a monthly patron and joining our global community of artists and creatives. Patrons receive additional content, regular online book discussions, and a private Facebook group where we share encouragements, deeper discussions, and works in progress. You can visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics or see the show notes of this episode for links. And if you're listening to this prior to April 10th, 2020, see the show notes of today's episode for the link to join our community online Friday, April 10th for communion and conversations on creativity. Music for this episode is provided by Songs of Water and Celise. Until the next time, my friends, keep creating. The world needs your art.